Hi, welcome, thank you for tuning in. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Al, I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway. It is such a privilege today to be opening the Word of God together. If you've been with us in recent weeks, you'll know that we've begun a new preaching series through the book of Acts, looking at the early church and its foundations and what it can teach uh, and show us about what it looks like to be the church today in these very strange times that we live in. Today we're in Acts chapter 2, so grab a Bible if you've got one to hand or pause the video and go and get one. We're going to be picking up the story today in Acts 2 chapter 22 and reading verse 22 and reading right the way through to verse is 42 today. As we go through this passage today, what we will see is that the central thread of the story that goes right through these verses is this, that the gospel story, our story that we're living with, is primarily about Jesus and who he is and what he has done. And my main desire and prayer is as I share these words from scripture, that it will draw your attention and your heart and your mind towards Jesus Christ in worship and adoration. Maybe you're watching this and you would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, or you're sceptical, or you're unsure and looking in. I want to pray that as you hear these words, that Peter, when he addresses the crowd, as you hear them, it would stir your heart and cause you to want to get to know this Jesus that we are talking about. But but for many of you watching, I know that you will already be Christians. You'll already be followers of Jesus. Maybe some of you who are new to faith, maybe some of you have been following Jesus for many years. And my prayer is that these words would cause adoration and worship to well up inside of you and and cause you to once again lay down your entire life to worship and surrender and obey this Jesus who we're going to be reading about. So we're going to be picking up in verse 22 as I said really and and the context is this that we're on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Peter gets up and he starts to explain to the crowd once the Holy Spirit has been poured out what is happening and then as he does that, he, he then opens these with these words in verse 22. So he's just explained about the Holy Spirit being poured out, what it all means. And then he ushers these words, which we're going to read really slowly and really intentionally, because the word of God is powerful and alive and living. And these words speak for themselves, and I believe will stir our hearts towards worship of Jesus. Listen to these words of Peter. This is him explaining the gospel. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with many works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said concerning him, this is the words of Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades 
or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up as we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Listen to these words. Let all the house of Israel, let all the world know, therefore for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to every one of them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom calls upon the, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who, were, who received his word were baptised and there were added about 3,000 souls that day. Amen to that. Given that this is the first sermon in church history, we should really take note of what Peter and the apostles are, are, are talking about and how they unpack the gospel. And isn't it fascinating that from the most part of Peter's words here on this very first sermon in church history, he dedicates it to unpacking and explaining who Jesus is. He doesn't start with our sin or our need for forgiveness. He points towards Jesus Christ. And that should give us some kind of major clue that the gospel is primarily about Jesus Christ and what he has done and not about me or you primarily. It's primarily about him and what he has done. Let's just go through some of these words and some of these verses together. We see in verse 22, Peter says, A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. So he points first to his works and the work of Jesus in his life. And then he goes on in verse 23 to say, This Jesus delivered up to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. So Peter says it's about his death on a wooden cross. 
but we know that the grave could not hold him. And so Peter spends what is now for us the next eight verses talking about Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The message version says death could not hold him in. And we get this great bit where he explains that Jesus is the fulfilment of Psalm 16. And and David, who was a prophet, he's dead and he's still in the grave. But Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, of which Peter and the apostles are witnesses. And then he goes on to say he's now been ascended and exalted at the right hand of God. That he is now ascended into the heavens, sat at the right hand of the Father, being given the name above every other name, that one day every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then he finishes off this bit about who Jesus is by saying these quite incredible words. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain... These guys are eyewitnesses for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Lord meaning the supreme one in authority, the master, the one in control. God has made Jesus the supreme one and the Christ, the anointed Messiah. Do you see what Peter is emphasising in this message here? That this, that the gospel is about Jesus and who he is, and what he has done. Peter points to Jesus's works. He points to his death. He points to his resurrection. He points to his ascension. He points to his exaltation, and he points to his identity as Lord and Christ. The gospel is about him. In the Western world, it can be so easy to make the gospel about me and my sin and my need for forgiveness and my ticket to heaven and what God can do for me. And the problem with that is it really reduces the gospel to being about me rather than about him. Yes, Jesus has forgiven you all your sin if you put your faith and your trust in him. Yes, Jesus has accepted you and you will spend eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth. Yes, in Christ we receive every spiritual blessing. But the drumbeat of what Peter is is, is saying to us in this passage and what he said to the first hearers is this. Draw your attention and your focus and your gaze on Jesus and who he is and what he has done. And the words of Peter remind us that nothing will sustain a lifetime of worship and surrender and obedience than reminding one another of Jesus Christ, of his works, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection. The fact that he is both Lord and Christ and that he has now been exalted and he sat at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Jesus Christ is the name above every other name. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Word who became flesh. He's the Lord, the Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one with all dominion and authority. Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain to take away the sins of 
the world. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the one who's seated on the throne. He's the one who Revelation says is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. He's the one to whom every knee will one day bow, Philippians 2 tells us. He's the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus is the one who is going to return to make all things new and wed himself to his people once and for all time. This is Jesus who we worship and adore. This is Jesus who Peter wants us to to understand and get hold of that the gospel is about him and what he has done. And when we get hold of that, when we grasp the reality that the gospel that the gospel story, that our story is about him and about what he has done, it will cause worship like nothing else can. It will cause us to fall more deeply in love with Jesus every time we remind ourselves of this truth. It will cause us to want to follow him as king in our lives. It will cause us to want to to obey him. It will will put a desire in us for, for obedience to what he asks us to do. And it will lead us to true repentance. I want us just to see and hear the magnificence of Jesus in the words of Peter. He has all power and all authority, that through his death and resurrection, he's now been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And this is Jesus who we worship. And this is what Peter wants the hearers to get hold of. And this is what I want us to get hold of afresh today. This is Jesus whom we worship, the Son of God, who is Lord and Christ. No wonder after Peter has finished speaking these words, the response of the hearers in verse 37 is this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's like they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? It's no wonder that they were cut to the heart. Friends, Peter had just unpacked the majesty and the beauty of Jesus. Nothing will move someone's heart like understanding who Jesus is and what he has done, that he's both Lord and Christ, that he's the one who died and rose again, loosing the pains of death. This message had cut them to the heart and they knew they needed to respond. The question was how? How were they going to respond? And as I've just been reflecting on this, I just felt a real honesty check in my heart. Honestly, if I were Peter or the apostles in that day and you had thousands of people stood before you wanting to receive Jesus, wouldn't it have been so easy to dial down the response that was required from them? Wouldn't you be tempted or wouldn't I be tempted to maybe just lower the entry bar slightly? Hey guys, just say a prayer and then come to church next next Sunday. Say sorry to God and be on your way and that will do the trick. But Peter and the apostles had been with Jesus. They knew what it meant. They knew the cost of following him. They knew the words of Jesus where he said, anyone who does not renounce all they have cannot be my disciple. And so Peter and the apostles, they don't lower the entry bar. They don't say, you just need to say sorry and go on your merry way. 
Peter says you need to repent. You need to repent. This is a high bar. Repentance is not just saying sorry. Repentance is not even just about feeling bad about my sin. It literally means to turn around, to change your mind, to do a complete 180 degree turn in life, to say I was walking in this direction and I'm changing and I'm walking in a completely opposite direction. I remember when um, I was about 17, uh, I was doing uh, a walk in the Lake District for uh, the Duke of Edinburgh Award. We were kind of halfway up uh, a hill, we'd reached a, a bit of a ridge, and we were heading towards our next reference point, which was a tarn. But um, being 17 and slightly naive, well, I didn't know what a tarn was. I knew it was a lake, but none of us knew that it was actually a mountain lake. So we think lake must be at the bottom of a hill. So we start heading down this hill. And about halfway down, one of our team members just sort of said, oh, hold on, isn't a tarn a mountain lake? So right at the top of the hill. And we realised when we were sort of halfway, two thirds down the hill, that we were heading in completely the wrong direction. We had to make a complete U-turn and head back up the hill to find this tarn and our next reference point. Repentance is about understanding that you are walking in the wrong direction. And it's about redirecting and realigning your heart and your minds and your, your very life and your worship and your desires and your priorities and about laying down your life in service of a new master, Jesus Christ. It means dying to the old way and renouncing all that we have to follow Jesus. And so Peter calls them to repent to completely change their lives and realign and redirect their lives around the person of Jesus Christ in response to this wonderful message of who he is and what he has done. But he doesn't stop there. He says you need to get baptised. This is the first step in a call to obedience, which is then goes on and on and on throughout the Christian life. Baptism is the first step in obedience and surrender to Jesus. And so Peter calls them to radically redirect their lives around Jesus Christ and radically obey him, starting by being baptised. And that is the Christian call, and that's the call of Christian discipleship for each one of us. It is a costly call to radically realign and redirect the priorities of our lives, our minds and our hearts and our loves, around the person of Jesus Christ and to lay everything down in pursuit and following him, not as a way to earn his favour, but in response to his unmerited grace and mercy and in response to his life and his death and his resurrection and the fact that he is the exalted one seated on the throne. That's what makes our hearts want to bow down and worship him. That's what Peter is calling them to in response to the beauty and the majesty of the gospel. Jesus is after disciples, people who will live like he lived, people who will do what he did, people who will renounce all they have to follow him. That's what Peter says means to respond to the beauty and the majesty of the gospel. 
That's what it means to respond when we get hold of Jesus and who he is and what he has done. When we get hold of that, it causes our hearts to worship. It causes our loves and our priorities to be completely realigned. And we reimagine life with Jesus Christ at the centre. And we say we want to radically obey, starting by being baptised and then having a lifetime of obeying him and what he calls us into. And we live like he lived and we do what he did. And we say, Jesus, my life is about you. That's the response that Peter calls the early listeners to in response to hearing this amazing presentation, this amazing unpacking of Jesus Christ, of recognising and understanding that this gospel story and our story is primarily about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. It says at the end of our passage, 3,000 responded on that day. 3,000 repented, allowed their minds to be redirected, allowed their lives to be completely realigned about the person of Jesus. 3,000 were baptised. What about you today? What about you when you hear these words of Peter's about the person and the work of Jesus Christ? How are you and how am I responding to Jesus as Lord and Christ, who died and was buried and rose again three days later and has now ascended and is now exalted at the right hand of God? How are you responding to this person, Jesus Christ, today? How are you responding to the beauty of the gospel which calls us towards him and what he has done. And if you're watching this and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, today you can come to him and you can repent. You can literally say, I've been in charge of my own life. I've been the master of my own destiny. And I want to do a complete U-turn in my life. And I want to start to follow Jesus as my Lord and my saviour. You can do that right now, wherever you are. And I want to invite you to, if something of what you've heard today stirs your heart about the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you right where you are to get before him right now and recognise that you've been living in a certain way and you want to lay that down and come and follow him. There's no set words that you have to say, but turn your heart to him. Declare that he did indeed rise, die and rise again. Say that you want him to be your Lord and Saviour. Acknowledge that. Repent. Say sorry for the things you've done. Repent and say, God, I want to follow you. And then find someone you know and trust. Find a local church and go and talk to them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life. I want to encourage you and invite you to do that. If you're watching this and you would already consider yourself as a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to come to him now where you are. I want to encourage you to get hold of this passage that we've just read and reread it and go through it slowly and pause and meditate upon this person, Jesus Christ, once again, who died 
was buried, rose again, and is now exalted at the right hand of God. Why not just spend some moments wherever you are before him, worshipping and praising and adoring him, because he alone is worthy. Why not, as you do that, just ask the Holy Spirit to say, are there areas of my life which I've not yet fully surrendered to you? Are there parts of my life where I haven't realigned everything around you, Jesus? And come to him and acknowledge those things. And he who is faithful will forgive you all your sin. If there are areas of your life that you know are not honouring to God, but you haven't submitted to him, why not just spend some time as you gaze upon his wonder, as you reread these beautiful words of Peter about who this Jesus is and what he has done. Let worship spring up from within you. I want to encourage you not to rush on from this moment. After we finish, just spend some time wherever you are before Jesus, worshipping and adoring him. He alone is worthy. I want to finish with the words of a worship song that we sing often in Gateway. And I really feel like this song, God just reminded me of it this week, and it really draws us back into the heart of this passage. This is the kind of refrain in this song and the bridge. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grief. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are high and lifted up. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your life, for your death, for your resurrection. I want to thank you that you are Lord and Christ. And today we come before you with hearts of adoration and worship and say we bow everything and bow our whole lives down before you in response to who you are and what you have done. We thank you that the gospel calls us to worship you and to lay down our lives before you. And I pray over every person hearing this today, would they too be on their knees before you? Would they realign every part of their life and their hearts and their loves around you, Jesus Christ, because you alone are worthy, because you alone are the Alpha and the Omega, because you alone are the name above every other name, because you alone have dominion and power and authority, and we worship you today. I pray that each person watching this today would grab hold of these beautiful verses, these amazing words of Peter's about Jesus Christ, about who he is and what he has done. We pray this for your glory, Jesus, and that we might spend our lives honouring you in all ways.
Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you soon.